Well, we're still studying the Song of Moses. Deuteronomy 32, and we'll just read a few verses from verse 10. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, birdeth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun, the name for Israel, waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And the last time we met, we, we read these verses in the Amplified Version, and we'll just do that again, just to refresh our minds. He found him in a desert land, in the howling void of the wilderness. He kept circling around him. He scanned him penetratingly. He kept him as the pupil of his eye, or as the apple of his eye, it says in the authorist. As an eagle that stirs up her nest, that flutters over her young, he spread abroad his wings and he took them, he bore them on his pinions. So the Lord alone led him, there was no foreign god with him. He made Israel ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the increase of the field. And he made him suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter and curds of the herd, and milk of the flock, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and he goats, with the finest of the wheat, and you drank wine of the blood of the grape. Israel grew fat and kicked. You became fat. You grew thick. You were gorged and sleek. Then he forsook God, who made him and forsook and despised the rock of his salvation. It's a wonderful expression. In the authorised version, he kept him as the apple of his eye. We looked at that the last time we met. Our eyes are so delicate that foreign objects may easily damage them. And nowadays we have health and safety on building sites and everywhere, it seems. And they ensure that workers, school children and many other people must wear eye protection even when playing with chestnuts, it would seem. 
But, you know, our eyes are very important and need careful protection. So at the dentist the other day, they, they now put a pair of glasses on you when you're having your, your teeth examined for some reason. I'm never too sure what they expect will go into your eye, but there we are. We use eye drops, and our faces are wonderfully created in such a way as to give protection to our eyes. You never think how quickly our eyelids can close when protection is needed how quickly we can tell we see something coming in our eyes because God has worked us in such a way that our eyes need that extra quick special protection and God protects and ensures that each believer is under his care and he watches over us as the apple of his eye how comforting that is to us And as I was thinking about this, I, I, I thought how God speaks of those who follow him so affectionately in Scripture. When King Saul failed miserably, it's recorded in Acts, Acts 13 and 22. God removed him. When he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony. God gave testimony of David and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. What a wonderful thing for God to say of David. Wonderful if God could say that about me and you this morning. There's a person after my own heart and also it added in which shall fulfill all my will are we fulfilling the will of God in Isaiah 41 and verse 8 uh, God speaking again and it says but thou Israel art my servant Jacob whom I have chosen the seed of Abraham my friend Abraham, my friend. That's a lovely thing for God to say of Abraham. Do you know Abraham? Oh, Abraham, he's my friend. The friend of God. Could God say of you and me, so-and-so, he's my friend. Malachi, God speaking again, talks about Moses, my servant. All these names that God called David and Abraham and Moses, showing us that God loves the work of his servants, especially those who are fulfilling his will. As we go through the scriptures, we often come across descriptions of nature and animals, birds and the like, especially in the Psalms of David, as the heart panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. The picture that David would have seen many times of a heart being chased and finding refuge in the water and relief and refreshment. Do we pant after the Lord as David 
it said the heart panteth after the water brooks had that desire realized that in the water there was refreshment life-saving refreshment perhaps then we go to verse 11 and this this is a, a, a lovely picture here of the eagle an eagle and her young I don't know whether you, you saw the paper uh, yesterday or listened to the news there was a, a chap jailed for trying to smuggle rare peregrine falcon eggs out of the United Kingdom in, in socks he had these socks around him when he was arrested he was a, an ex-member of the Rhodesian SAS and he was jailed for 30 months after he attempted to export these rare peregrine falcon eggs to a wealthy Arab in Dubai obviously they'd been watching him but he was at the airport in Birmingham and he kept going in and out of the shower in the business section and a cleaner uh, noticed that the shower was never wet when he came out of it and he was suspicious and he reported him to the police and he was arrested and he had 14 eggs strapped around his body in socks to keep them warm from his body heat the eggs were worth £70,000 on the black market in Dubai. That happened uh, way back in, in May. The, the chicks were hatched out and 11 of them hatched out and they were put back into the wild with foster parents uh, in with other eaglets. Uh, eaglets. And um, they were, they've all been accepted. So it was a good ending to the story but this chap has been... Uh, jailed for seeking to get rid of these eggs for £70,000. He'd gone to great lengths. He had upsailed down cliffs and they'd obviously been watching him because in Canada at one stage he actually got a helicopter to lower him down to some nests to get rare eggs out of them. But hopefully he won't be doing that for a while. But it's just interesting when I was going to when I was starting to study these eagles that that story came up. As an eagle, it says in verse eleven, stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. She stirreth up her nest. The picture is the eagle. She wishes her brood to become mature. And grow up to become what she desires of them. It's every human mother's desire that their child grows up to be useful. Parents have a desire for their children to grow. And the, the eagle is no different. And these little fledglings are perhaps quite happy in the safe nest. But she knows that this situation cannot last if these little birds are to become useful. So she stirs things up a bit. She makes life a little bit uncomfortable for them in order that they will become what she desires. 
magnificent birds flying free high in the clouds across the countries the mountains and the valleys and the rivers I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, an eagle in flight it's a wonderful thing these majestic birds so she wants them to become strong she wants them to become healthy but they'll never do that if they stay in the nest and this was the situation with Israel Israel were in Egypt living in captivity God desires that they should move out and become the nation that he had planned for them Israel was a bit like the eaglets in the nest despite the taskmasters and the difficulties they needed to be encouraged to move out so God allowed the tasks to become more difficult and the taskmasters orders became more onerous and soon they were ready to move out they were captive but God wanted them to be free digressing slightly I heard a story one time of an eagle which was on a, a tether on a pole and <clears throat> it was put out onto this pole every day just to walk around walk around couldn't fly one day someone came along and decided that they would buy this eagle and let it run free they took the rope off it it took ages for that eagle to realize that it was free and that's like us when we become Christians our sins are forgiven God gives us freedom in Jesus Christ and the, the hymn that Wesley wrote he breaks the power of cancelled sin he sets the prisoner free his blood can make the foulest clean his blood avail for me we find Christians who do not realize that they are free in Christ they're like that eagle they've been freed sin shall not have dominion over you they have been freed from the power of sin but they don't realize it they don't exercise the freedom they have in Jesus Christ he wants us to fly free he breaks the power of cancelled sin we have to realize that our sins have been taken by Jesus Christ on the cross and he breaks the power of cancelled sin he sets the prisoner free his blood can make the foulest clean his blood availed for me and so the, the mother eagle stirs up the nest a little bit in order to get the eaglets excited about moving out it's God stirring up the nest for you and me does God desire greater obedience from me may we be conscious of God's dealings with us his stirring up and follow his leading 
as the eaglets do in the nest. And then it says she fluttereth over her young. She fluttereth over her young. The eagle is concerned for the safety and growth of her brood. She is constantly there, keeping a watchful eye on each little eaglet. She leads by example. And so, in verse 12 it says, So the Lord alone did lead him, Israel that is, and there was no strange God with him. God led them. The mother eagle leads by example. She shows the youngsters what to do. God alone led Israel. You know, I was thinking about it, it says, and there was no strange God with him. It's too foolish to imagine another bird being permitted into that nest by the eagles. I mean, it's just ludicrous to help raise their their brood. God alone is our God. There was no strange God. And that is the way with the Christian life. There's no time for another God. There's no place for another God if we're following the one true God, our Lord Jesus Christ and his Heavenly Father and being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know, things are different in many places in the Christian world today. They do permit other gods. We have these ecumenical services where other gods are allowed in. But when God led Israel, there was no strange God with them. It's a lesson we should all learn and churches should learn. God wants us to grow and if we follow him we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. I want to walk with Jesus Christ all the days I live on this life of earth to give to him complete control of body and of soul. I want to learn to speak to him, to pray to him, confess my sin, to open my life and let him in, for joy will then be mine. <clears throat> I want to learn to speak of him. My life must show that he lives in me. My deeds, my thoughts, my words must speak all of his love for me. I want to learn to read his word. For this is how I know the way to live my life as pleases him in holiness and joy. Follow him, follow him, yield your life to him. He has conquered death, he is king of kings. Accept the joy which he gives to those who yield their lives to him. And then it says, The eagle spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. When teaching them to fly, apparently, she carries them up on her wings to new heights. And as they make those first 
tentative attempts. She is there swooping under them to catch them should they fall on her wings. Never leaving them to their own devices, but always there for them. Always there for them. As it says in, in that amplified version which we read earlier, can find it, as the eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, he spread abroad his wings and he took them and he bore them on his pinions. Never did he leave them. The Lord alone led them. There was no foreign God with them. This is what God did to Israel. Look back in Exodus 19. Exodus 19, and we read just a couple of verses there. Exodus 19, verse 4. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. We all know what God did unto the Egyptians. And then it goes on to say, And how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. He bared them up. He, they were borne up by God as on eagles' wings. It goes on. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. They were going to be a particular treasure to God. He had borne them up as if on eagles' wings. As the eagle bore her young to stop them from falling. So God had done that with Israel. And God will bear up you and me as we go through this life. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. It is what God will do for each one of us. He has sent us his Holy Spirit into our lives to live with us day by day. I want to learn to do his will daily in my life. Follow him, follow him, yield your life to him. He has conquered death. He is king of kings. Accept the joy which he gives to those who yield their lives to him. And then we have verse 13 and 14. And you know, it nearly makes your mouth water reading this description of how wonderful things God had prepared for the children of Israel. And we read in Scripture what God has prepared for us. I hath not seen or ear hath heard what God hath prepared for you and me. read this he made him ride on the high place of the earth, that, that reminded me of the eagle again an eagle flying high free above the clouds over the lakes beautiful bird he made Israel ride high on the high places of the earth and listen 
that he might eat the increase of the fields. He made him suck honey out of the rock, oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine, milk of sheep, fat of lambs, rams of the breed of Bashan, he goats, wheat, beautiful wheat and grapes. What a banquet God had prepared for these people. Wonderful. Then, that horrible word in verse 15, but, B-U-T. If we look away back in Deuteronomy chapter 8, at the very start of Deuteronomy, Here's what God said through Moses. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou art eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, all that thou hast is multiplied. God works in multiplication. The, the, the animals went out and were told to multiply. Then thine heart be lifted up. When man gets everything he needs materially, his heart becomes lifted up. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. And go to verse 17. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. How easy that seems to happen to man. How easy. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day and it shall be if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish what a warning Moses gave them. Now turn to verse 15 in Deuteronomy 32. Here's what happened. Israel waxed fat and kicked. They kicked against God. 
Remember when Saul, or Paul as he became, was on the road to Damascus? He came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Paul obviously, or Saul obviously, his conscience was being affected. But he was kicking against anything that the Spirit of God was seeking to do. He was kicking against the pricks. Those pricks at the back of a cart apparently were to stop the the back kicking of the, the, the bullocks pulling the cart. It hurt them. The Lord Jesus said to Saul, it is hard for thee to kick against those pricks of conscience, of enlightenment. And that's what happened here. Israel kicked against God. They'd become fat. They'd grown thick. You're covered with fatness. You know, we hear a lot of talk today about overweight people. And this is a, a, a very good description here. Waxen fat, grown thick, covered with fatness. And anybody who is overweight like that is not exercising and being able to do things useful. And they have forsaken God, which made them. And lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. They lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. We need to beware, lest we lightly esteem the rock of our salvation. In worldly things we say familiarity breeds contempt. Let us make sure that that idea never creeps into our Christian life and our Christian walk. Let us never esteem lightly the things of God and his word. Lightly treating the doctrines of scripture. Treating lightly the full ordinances of God. Treating lightly the, the, the command to rightly divide the word of truth. Lightly accepting false doctrines. And joining up and compromising with others in so-called mission. Joining up lightly esteeming the true doctrines of God and accepting and promoting teachers with unbiblical notions. People like Rick Warren so easily accepted. But we need to beware. The Copelands, the, those in the, the emerging church teaching false doctrines denying the substitutionary death of Christ 
But they say so many other good things. We're lightly esteeming the rock of our salvation. People like Benny Hinn. Somewhere where he has posted a plea for two million dollars on his website. He says that he accumulated a deficit in the past few months because offerings at some international appearances did not cover his expenses. And he's put up a plea for two million, two million dollars. It's unbelievable. It's not a bit, I, I saw a transcript of one of uh, an interview he had with Paul Crouch and his, uh, his son. And uh, this man, it's just unbelievable what he says. He was asking why Jesus is going to pray for us forever. And he says that if we, when we go to heaven, Jesus would still be praying for us. Because we'll have a free will in heaven. And this is what he says. We will have a free will in glory. And we could change our mind. In heaven. We could change our mind. And Crouch says, and change our mind exactly, says him. Oh, Benny, says Crouch. That's, that's heavy. And here's what Benny Hinn says. That is heavy. When you get to heaven, when you get to heaven, only his prayer will keep you there. And he also said that it's possible that the angels could have another rebellion in heaven. So, let us not lightly esteem the truths of Scripture. Let us make sure that we treat God not lightly, but as something very, very serious. And you know, all this despite the fact that Jesus, our Saviour and Lord, says, By their fruits ye shall know them. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And just in closing on this subject of lightly esteeming the things of God, as Israel was guilty of, they lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. We've spoken many times on Ezekiel chapter 8. God showed Ezekiel the abominations which were happening in Israel. And we see abominations happening in our churches throughout the world and he said in Ezekiel 8.17 then he said unto me hast thou seen this O son of man is it a light thing is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here for they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger and lo they put the branch to their nose. They 
cook a hoop I think is the expression to God despite what God said they esteemed it a light thing and then in Ezekiel 9 verse 4 we have God's desire and the Lord said unto him go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark on the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof the man was to go through and mark those people that sighed and cried for the abominations which were happening throughout the land and after that others went through with judgment God is looking for people who do not consider what is happening in churches as a light thing he's looking for people like you and me who will sigh and cry for the abominations which are happening have we got that desire to fulfill the will of God and to sigh and cry and speak out against the abominations which are happening today.